0: Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net.
1: So I have a privilege this morning of having a young lady with me. So yeah, I brought my...
0: I was young a long, long time ago. I,
1: <laughs> I brought my better half with me. This is uh, Pastor Robin. She's uh, been with us here since... We're going to celebrate 30 years as a church in here in a couple of months. A couple of months, 30 years. Yeah. And she was, uh, it was me and her, and she said, I'm not leaving you, so the church has to grow. <laughs> so yeah, we've been married a long time, 33 years, celebrating 34 this year. That'll be good. So anyway, I had a date last night. I think tonight I'll have a grapefruit.
0: (laughs) I'm a cheap date, guys. I'm a cheap
1: date. Date? (laughs) Anyway, those of you who don't know, a date is a fruit. So, anyway, uh, can we start by this simple? um, Can we acknowledge something? Uh, Acknowledgement that all of us want to be loved. All of us want to be loved. Now, that may or may not be romantic love, but we all want to be loved. period. There may be some of you that God's given the gift of singleness, and maybe you don't need that romantic stuff. But I'm going to say a vast majority of people in the world really desire uh, romantic love as well as valued love. And um, unless you have the gift of singleness, which you, if you have that, God bless you, use your singleness for the glory of God's kingdom. But if you... uh, If you're not a person that God's given that gift of singleness to, then you desire romantic love. And uh, if you desire that, I wanna just let you know, it's okay, it's okay to have those desires. The problem is, though, that I think we have the wrong definition of what that kind of love is and looks like, so we found a better definition, right?
0: Yeah, we heard this definition recently, and so we thought we'd put it up on the screen for you. Love is a decision of the heart to delight in another soul and to will their good ahead of your own, no matter what the cost is to yourself. So it's not like love of pizza, I love pizza, I love watching the Bengals win today. Okay. Um, No, it's love is a decision of the heart to delight in another soul and to will their good ahead of your own. Ahead of your own. Ahead of your own, more uh, no matter what the cost is to yourself.
1: So real love is not how you make me feel. That's the problem I have with all of these dating shows on TV and stuff. They're all just so stupid. No, they are. Listen, I love how they make me feel. Well, you're saying that you love yourself. And that's not a way to have a healthy, lasting relationship. At some point, you have to actually choose to love the other person at your, your expense love them. So anyway, um, in the sermon series, we're talking about uh, the Father of faith, Abraham. I'm not going to take a long time to recap, but I do want to say last week we talked about his promises. There were a lot of promises. And we also talked about how he's the father of faith, and we also talked about how he's a friend of God. Now those are some big things to say: the Father of faith and the friend of God. And you would think a guy like that would have a great life, and he would never have any huge mistakes. But as we're going to find out today, that's not the story. He, uh, he really goofed it up a lot. So, but, but nonetheless, even through his goof-ups, the guy reshaped the world. He shaped the world for the glory of God. He reshaped it, and he did so by two things. He did two things right, all right? Number one, the defining moments in his life where God spoke to him, he was obedient in those defining moments. And, and I think that's a key because... A, a, you have defining moments when we were talking earlier about the faithfulness of God and I love your voice I thought of like five or six times God has spoken to me through the scriptures or spoken to me and and those times are defining moments in my life where I knew I had to obey and if I wouldn't have obeyed things would have went horribly wrong but in obeying things gradually moved towards what was right and the second thing you did was he passed on his experience to the next generation? That's what we're going to find out about next week. Is next week we're talking about how uh, Abraham is the father of many nations, and we're going to talk about his fatherhood.
0: He's the father of many sons. Many sons had father Abraham. Just sorry, every time I think of that, <laughs> I cannot get it out of my head. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right arm, left arm, right foot? Okay, never right. mind. But you know, Abraham had so many twists and turns. And I'm gonna tell you that there were a lot of red flags for Abraham being this great man of faith. As a matter of fact, probably none of us in this room would say to our daughters, hey, listen, look for a guy like Abraham, okay? (laughs) He had so many mishaps, so many things, and ways that he sort of went this way, lots of twists and turns. And today we're gonna look at one of those twists and turns with the story of Hagar, and we'll get into that in just a minute.
1: But let's start with, uh, we, we want to do two basic insights into marriage today. The first one is going to be, what is God's definition of marriage? Now, I need, I need to set this up, okay? Abraham was the father of faith. So all of the books, all, all the stories in Genesis that we have that were recorded later by a guy named Moses, somehow they got to Moses For him to record them can we agree on that that he got them because Moses lived like 2000 BC or 3000 BC something like that and I don't know it was a thousand years before that all these stories happen if you go by the chronology in the Bible um, no, no no matter what you do there had to be this passing on of these stories from Adam and Eve to Abraham and how did we get them And we got them because those stories were passed on oral tradition and those stories then made it through Abraham and then they were transferred through the people of faith until Moses wrote them down. Are are y'all following me on this? Now, the reason I'm doing that is because I want to say something very clear. Abraham, if he was the one passing these stories along, knew the story. He could not claim willful ignorance because he knew the story if he was the one that passed it along. Are y'all following me now? All right, so the story of Adam and Eve, he knew what God said his will for marriage was. It's there in Genesis chapter two. It
0: says, the man said, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. So this is actually God's definition of marriage, one woman, one wife, one woman, one man for life. And you know what, so we say how does how does God get to define marriage? Okay? Things have changed. And you know, we're in 2022 now and you know, things are a little different. Well, I'll tell you what. I go to the we go sometimes to the Cleveland Art Museum. Anybody ever been there? Okay. It's free. You can go. It's fun to walk around, especially in the winter when you're looking to stretch your legs a little bit. Anyway, so we walk around. And some of this art, I tell you what, especially one room, there's one room that you don't even know what you're looking at. As a matter of fact, I've come in, I should do this. I can make a lot of money throwing this paint on the wall or (laughs) building these statues with their heads backwards or whatever it is, okay? Crazy room, all right? And, um, And I don't even know what it is, but you know what? On every single one of those on the wall, there's a little description because that artist created that statue and they had a plan and they had a design And they get to define what that object is because they're the creator. Our God, our Heavenly Father, is our creator. So he gets to define marriage because he's the one that invented it. So if there's a definition of marriage I think that would be good to pay attention to, I think it's what God says about marriage and that it's one man, one woman for life.
1: And by the way, if you're wondering, Jesus actually went back to the same story when he was asked about marriage and divorce and things like that. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 says, haven't you read? Now that's a, that's a smack in the face of all those Pharisees, you know, that memorize the Torah as I hear all the time. So anyway, haven't you read it? Huh? Sort of digging at them. Haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female, not a Sherman tank? I'm just saying, if you have a Y chromosome, you're a male. You have no Y chromosome, you're a female. There's only two options. That's, by the way, that's from the World Health Organization, that bastion of conservative values. <laughs> I'm just saying. And when you, when you fight against your design, you wind up in trouble. So the creator made them Male. He made them female. And he said, for this reason, will a man leave his father and mother and be united to his wife? And the two will become one flesh because the pieces fit and work. Anybody ever try to work a puzzle and the piece didn't fit, but you kept trying to shove it in? And, And you actually got the piece to fit, but it didn't actually fit because it was the wrong piece. And then later on, your whole puzzle was goofed up because you had the wrong piece in the wrong location. Yeah, yeah. Listen to me. God designed us, and, and I know what culture says all around us. And listen, I know I'm being counterculture. I don't care. I, re- I really don't care. Listen, God designed you to work one way better than all the other ways. And you can make, you can shovel in, but it doesn't work right. God designed you, he, He's the art creator. He designed you to work one way. And Jesus said, the two will become one flesh, and they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let us not separate.
0: So, every day we're faced with choices. Abraham was faced with a choice. You're about to hear about that choice. He made a not proper choice. But we have a little video for you to watch of what can happen with the right choice. So, each day you're faced with choices, and that choice, whether it's for this, he could have made a poor choice, he could have turned around and gone up the escalator, okay? But here's the thing, whether it's not just in marriage, but in life, you have the chance to make right choices, choose God's choice, it's always going to wind up better for you.
1: So, Abraham and Sarah, they didn't keep God's vision for marriage, one man, one woman for life, they didn't keep that. The story's in Genesis 16, verse 1, now Sarah... And, and I think you said, we're gonna go with their end names.
0: Yeah, you know, when you read the story of Abraham and Sarah, you're gonna see their names are originally, to begin with, Abram and Sarai. And so it's a little confusing. It's the same person. So just for the sake of when you see Sarah we're t- and Sarai, their names got changed later, but so if we call them that or if you hear it, we're gonna go with their ending names, Abraham and Sarah.
1: Now, Sarah and Abram's wife had born him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave.
0: Red flag. Oh, wait, go ahead.
1: (laughs) Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed to what she said. So Abraham, after he'd been living in Canaan 10 years, and Sarah his, wife, uh, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. And When she knew that she was pregnant, she began to do what? Despise her mistress. So she got an attitude. Then Sarah said to Abraham, you are responsible for my suffering. <laughs> You are responsible for the wrong. It was my idea, but you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. God get you. And then your slave is in your hands. Listen to Abraham's response. Your slave is in your hands. Abraham said, do with her whatever you think's best. (laughs) Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So now Sarah is mistreating the girl that she gave to her husband to produce a baby for her. Anyway, the angel of the Lord found Hagar sitting there spring in the desert when the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cotton-eyed, oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just can't resist. You read the Bible your way, I'll read it my way, all right? Anybody know the song I'm talking about yeah, all right, where'd you come from where so he asked where'd she come from where are you go? And this is gonna be real key here in just a second and she said I'm running away from my mistress Sarah and she answered then the angel Lord told her Go back to your mistress and Submit to her Now this is goofed up Man's married a woman woman has no kid woman blames God woman blames husband for having no kid Woman says, i got a great idea. I give you another woman, my slave. And then woman, other woman, gets pregnant, starts mistreating original woman.
0: It's like they, a talk show in, the, in here right now.
1: You are the father. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> All right. So, And then what happens is mistreated woman runs away and God says, Submit.
0: So why would she have to go back and submit? I don't know about you guys, but I would not wanna go back into that situation. You gotta know it's gonna be bad. I mean, that's how it is. However, to submit to her. So because the fact is, unless you get right where you're coming from, you'll never get right where you're going to.
1: Cotton-eye Joe.
0: Cotton-eye Joe. So the thing is, in every relationship, in every, I don't care if it's a work environment, Unless you get right where you're coming from, you are not going to do good where you're going to. You're going to carry the same baggage. You're going to have the same issues. You're going to have the same problems unless you learn from your mistakes.
1: All right, so remember, the whole point of this is that marriage is defined by God. It's one man, one woman for life. God defined it. God defined it. Abraham knew it. Abraham knew the definition, one man, one woman for life. And yet he chose to sound like a married. Povit show or something. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't understand. What was he thinking? What was he thinking? So what happens when you step outside of God's plan?
0: So recently, this week, you guys have probably heard that um, 18 people were stuck on Lake Erie, like from the Cleveland area, right? Because they were doing snowmobiling and I don't know what they were doing out there. And the ice broke off and so they had to be rescued. And when they went to go back to the you know, to the mainland Cleveland, if you want to call it that, the ice had separated and they couldn't get back. So they had to be airlifted and rescued, first the people, then their snowmobiles, if they were still there, okay, if they hadn't fallen in. And I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, why in the world did they go out there, okay? The ice, the lake isn't even covered yet. But if you think about it, when we stray from God's plan, we not only put ourselves in danger, we put our families in danger, those, we always have to be rescued, okay? So, so make sure the plan that you're following is God's plan, or else you're going to face the ramifications for you, your family, your friends of a plan gone wrong.
1: So we're going to look at the three key people in this story, and we're going to try to break it down a little bit, all right? we'll try to do this quickly. Uh, first one is Sarah. Sarah had unrealistic expectations in her marriage, unrealistic expectations. She expected that her marriage would look like blank, and then when she got in it, it didn't. They were child. Listen, if you're if you're trying to have kids and you don't have it, have kids. Uh, there, there's a lot of grief and a lot of pain there that. and, and there's an expectation that something's going to happen or, or maybe you get married and you expect them to be one person and then they're not the same person. There are a lot of expectations that when you carry them into marriage, like Sarah did, and they aren't met the way you want, then Sarah, she just went really stupid. She started blaming God and then she started blaming Abram, you know, maybe it's your fault. And so she gave a, another girl? Why why do you take a slave and give a slave and think it's going to be all right? I mean, come on, didn't you learn anything from junior high that two girls and one guy, there's always going to be a fight? Didn't you learn anything? And uh, so, you know, there were unrealistic expectations. She carried a lot of those in.
0: So when you get married, okay, you come in all starry-eyed and you think, you know, oh, this is going to be grand and glorious. And then you meet the real person. And what happens is, and we've told couples, don't be don't be dismayed or shocked if the first year is actually pretty difficult. So for us, <laughs> all right, my expectation, I'm going to tell two stories. The first one he didn't know of for service, but I'm going to throw it back in for second service. So, surprise. Um, anyway, so, so the first one was, um, you know, I thought, I grew up having desserts every night. and So I thought the expectation on being a wife was make breakfast, make desserts you know, be a dutiful wife. That's what you're supposed to do. So, I did that. I was making breakfast every day. I was making desserts. And, and finally, after about six months and 20 pounds, um, he said to me, literally… It wasn't
1: that long. It was about three months. Yeah.
0: He said to me, "It would <laughs> I would have kept going. But, but thankfully, he was honest with me. And he said,
1: hey,
0: I appreciate it. You're killing me. But <laughs> we need to stop because this isn't one i don 't need it, and two it 's just not good for us and I, was I feel like, guilty
1: you, if i don 't eat yeah. what you make, and now i 'm getting out of shape, and i don 't like right. that and yeah, yeah,
0: so so honest communication. The second thing was you know when you first get married, once again, I was trying to do everything right, and he has a very particular way of keeping like his collars always like ironed properly, all of his clothes in his closet. or I know this is a shocker to all of you, but I'm good, doing good to have my clothes in the closet when they get clean, okay? I, I mean, he has all of his shirts lined up in the long sleeve and I'm thinking, how in the world did we wind up together and still love each other, but- There's
1: a place for everything and everything's <laughs> in its place. Yeah.
0: So anyway, so I'm trying to be nice, and I'm ironing his clothes, and I'm thinking, I don't iron. Like, look what I'm wearing today. Like, ironing is not my thing. I don't know anybody else with me on that, okay? He does iron, though. So I thought I'd iron that collar, and boy, I ironed that thing straight up, okay? Like, (laughs) straight up. And then I tried to flip it over, you know, so it had a nice thing. It did not work. It was sticking out. And he said like to me... That. He said, you know, once again, he was being nice. He said, I appreciate you doing that, but if you're going to do it, then let's do it like this, to which the sassy part of me said, well, then if I'm not doing it right, you can do it yourself. Okay. Bad communication on my part. Okay. So, so in the story of Abraham and Sarah, you see that there's just terrible communication going on here and expectations that are unfulfilled and then not communicated properly.
1: And Sarah, then, instead of communicating her needs and really talking about them, she, she slips into what can I be honest what a lot of ladies do? She slipped into control and manipulation instead of communication. And when she slipped into control, what she said was, "I do this." And she gave him an idea, and that idea was to have another wife. And I'm still trying to figure out. What was she thinking but she took matters into her own hands and you know what she did? She created more problems than the original problems. She tried to correct one mistake by making another mistake And then she didn't take ownership, but then started casting blame and you can never fix problems by casting blame It's never gonna work.
0: And then the other person in the story is Abraham. What in the world was he thinking? He did not resist what sarah was saying to him it wasn't his best move i don't know why he did it though we've talked about this think about it why would he do this he knew he shouldn't do it okay right. and then he had to be thinking all kinds of things in his head we were going over some stuff like was he thinking well if she's giving me another woman i mean who am i to resist i don't know what he was thinking um he could have been thinking i'm tired of dealing with this if this is what she thinks is going to work okay.
1: Hey, everybody else in the culture is doing it and they're all right. We can do it too.
0: Right. Because in that culture, they would take many wives. So he he could have just been thinking that. He might've also been thinking, I just want to stop her talking about this. (laughs) I just want to stop it.
1: I've never thought that (laughs) in my life. (laughs) Maybe he felt like less than a man. You know, he was wondering, what, can I make babies? Am I I not any good? You know, um, no matter what the reason, He knew God's plan, but he argued himself into not being a man in that plan. And uh, you know what else he didn't do? He didn't protect, after it happened, he didn't protect Hagar and Ishmael. This is a guy, though, in case you're wondering, this is a guy who went out with 300 guys and defeated four kings.
0: Yeah, he wasn't a wimp. He's not a wimp. This kind of makes him sound wimpy. He was not a wimp.
1: No, he goes out and he fights battles and wins. He takes his family, moves them across the desert. He does everything, but let one nagging woman get in his ear and all of a sudden he can't be a man. I, did I say that out loud? It's true though. You know, all right, so was he afraid of Sarah? Actually, we'll talk about this in a couple of minutes, but let's, let's go back to, we just got married. We just got married and, um, you know, we were living on $6,000 a year. That was our total income, our first year of marriage.
0: It was good times. Good it was times. good.
1: Yeah, good times, good times. So she decided that she wanted to eat. <laughs> you know, she wanted clothes to wear and a roof over her house. So she said, we got to do something. I'm going to go get a job. So she goes and gets a job. I did. And it, the, it was Clinko, Clinton County, Clinko. It was, a, it, was, what?
0: it was a land surveying company. And actually, I didn't know it at the time but it actually taught us, me, a lot of lessons for what ended up happening when we came up here of how to start a business and what to do and those kind of you things. You
1: knew how to run the books of a business, you knew how to manage personnel. You, She learned all of these lessons there, but she, can we just say that place was not well run?
0: It was It was not. Every day I would come home with some terrible, awful story and I would just be like, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't the most pleasant conversation because <laughs> Pleasant?
1: No, 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 it was not pleasant. I, this is where I learned my lesson. I'd take her for a walk. We'd go for a walk around the neighborhood, and she would just, and I would be, come on, guys, guys, you know what I'm talking about? I become Mr. Fix-It. We'll just quit. We'll just do this. We'll do, Right? I'm trying to solve her problem. The fact of the matter is she didn't need the problem solved. You know what she needed? She needed to, and she needed me to listen. That was that was when I learned I don't have to. She's a full-grown woman. She is brilliant. She's talented, smart, knowledgeable, and has people skills that are quadruple what mine is.
0: Oh, go on, go on.
1: And here I am trying to solve her problems. And you know what? If I had solved her problems, she would have quit. This church would have suffered for it because of all she learned there. Guys, quit trying to be the knight on the white horse and be the relationship builder she needs. Loving her is giving her what she needs, even at great personal expense. Laughter
0: you know, the, I, I do appreciate that fix-it nature, but there are some times that it just, we just want to talk it out. Does that make sense? Sometimes? Talk it out. A lot of times.
1: Lot of times. <laughs> I just <laughs> wonder. Now I'm right getting on. the knee yeah. under the table. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, no, I, I, I do that because I, I think that's number one issue that I find between, uh, between men and women is uh, our expectations of what our communication is supposed to look like. And we learned that lesson in what Abraham was. Abraham wasn't a coward, but he acted like a coward when he couldn't solve her problem. So he went along with something that made the problem worse. And guys, there's a there's a verse, and, and I want to preach it in. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says if a man hears his wife or his daughter make a vow, and that wife or daughter makes a vow, and he hears about it, and he says nothing, then he is responsible for their vow. But if he hears them make the vow, and he says, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, that ain't happening to me, then they are absolved of their vow because he doesn't give in to it. Guys, listen. Speak up. God gave you a heart. God gave you a mind. God gave you a will. God gave you an understanding. Speak up. If you know what's wrong, speak up. If you know what's right, speak up. When you're having this conversation, don't go passive, listen, actively listen, and speak up.
0: So the third person in this story is Hagar. So she was literally the one who was being abused in this situation, okay? She didn't have a choice whether or not she had to go have sex with Abraham. She didn't have a choice when she got pregnant. She didn't have a choice when she tried to flee, okay? And literally she was the one in this story that took a lot of the brunt of what was
1: going on and yet God when God met her told her to submit to her mistress and what I want to say about this and we we were intentional about this even if you've been in a relationship where somebody has done you wrong you cannot control them but you can control you God met her and what did God say to her? And this, when I read this, man, it just leapt in my heart. Genesis 16, 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. This is the second time she's running away. She's, she's kicked out now. They have no hope. They have no future. Their world's gone crazy. And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. And this is, this is what she said about God. You are the God who sees me. And I want you to know, it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter whether the hurt was put on you or whether you were a participant in it, whether you've had a bad attitude or whatever. You have a God that sees you. And if he sees you, he can make a way for you to be restored to the life he wants for you, even if it's gone haywire in the past. So, oh yeah. So So why
0: is this story important? We're going to get into some practicals here in just a second, but To sum it up. We have a little illustration. I'll get it
1: (laughs) Sticky tape sticky tape all right, so here's the deal. This is me And let's say I want to get married and I want to be committed to this woman for the rest of my life And I want to but you know what before I got married to her I found a few other women and I stuck on them. Let's say, you know, yeah. No. <laughs> that trip to the beach, yeah, yeah. This is sort of weird. Anyway, All right, hold on. It's sort of weird, though. But you see what happens here is is that uh, we just go around, you know. I'm sticking to various ladies around the room. Oh, no, now I've got a hair on this one. There you go. I get an, oh, pull the hair out that time. Now, hold on, hold on, one more. Anybody have a fuzzy sweater? I'm looking for somebody with some emotional issues that has a fuzzy sweater. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, because you know what I'm talking about. Uh, You got the fuzzy sweater there. So you know what happens now? What happens is, is that God designed me to stick. Correct? God designed me to stick. God designed you to stick. And that was the original creation design. But what our culture says is, oh, it doesn't matter who you have sex with. It doesn't matter. But there's a problem now. When it comes time to stick to her, I don't stick very well. You know why I don't stick very well? Because I've got shards of every single person I've been with messing up my relationship with her. Guys, listen. People say it's old-fashioned, this whole one man, one woman for life. God doesn't know what he's doing. It's the 21st century or whatever. But God designed you to stick. God designed you to stick. And our culture is doing everything in the world to destroy your healthy relationships. And at some point, you're going to have to make up your mind that you're going to do it God's way. Because you get two people who want to stick together. They'll stick.
0: So, you know... As things go, the Wall Street Journal just published this, supporting what the Bible has been saying for hundreds and thousands of years. Literally, it says, too risky to wed in your 20s, not if you avoid cohabitating first. (laughs) Research shows that marrying young without ever having lived together with a partner makes for some of the lowest divorce rates. Now, the article goes on to, it's not promoting getting married at, you know, 16 or anything like that. It's actually saying, it goes on, there's some uh, Stanford research, it actually goes on to say that cohabitating with someone prior to marriage is what causes the divorce rate. So, I'm going to say, you know, age or not age, the, what this article is pointing out from the Wall Street Journal is it really does have an effect when you cohabitate with somebody that you have not that you are not married to. And, and it's funny to me because we've kind of, I mean, God kind of invented that a long time ago, right? One man, one woman, that's what we were saying. So,
1: and you said divorce rates were like 70% higher? So much
0: higher. 70% I, I
1: higher? I mean, think about this. So can, can we just recap? And then we're going to be done with this. We're going to move on and we're going to give you some practical stuff and move on. But, but let's, let's lay this out right here. You make the vows before God, then you celebrate the covenant of marriage, which is sex. Any reversal of that is going to be long-term problems. Now, God can help you if you've goofed it up. He can help you. Remember, he's still the God that sees you. He can help you through it all. But let's be honest. There is a better way that you don't create those problems for yourself. And the quicker you commit to doing it God's way will be the way quicker you will get back to health in your life. Are y'all following me? And I don't care if it's unpopular, and I don't care if I get banned from YouTube. I don't care. They'll kick me off Facebook for saying this. It's one man, one woman for life. You make the vows first, then you celebrate. And by the way, one other thing about this. No, no we'll do that one later. All right, so let's go. Tips for a healthy marriage.
0: So first off, Paul wrote the antidote to have a healthy marriage. And here's the thing. You knew it was, you know it's from God because he's a single guy. <laughs> wrote some of the best things about marriage. So let's read them.
1: The best advice ever given yeah. on marriage comes from a single guy. That has to be inspired by God. It has to All right. So submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as the Lord. Submit yourselves. Yeah, I, if that's getting under your craw, good. Wait just a second. Husbands ought to love their wives. Just stop right here real quick. Do you know why women are told to submit? It's because it's the hardest thing in the world for you to do. Do you know why men are told to love? It's because it's the hardest thing in the world for you to do. Guys, we have no problem submitting to our wives. I'll establish this in a second. Guys have no problem submitting. None. We have problems loving. Actually putting you above me instead of my car, or my boat, or my golf clubs, or my sports shows, or the escape out to the garage to build something else that I don't need to build. <laughs> to love you and to put you first is the hardest thing for me. You know what the hardest thing for a lady to do is? Not control and manipulate. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And whether you like it or not, that's how it is. So anyway, husbands are to do what? They're to love their wives as their own bodies. Who loves, his, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body. And every time I read this, I think, well, you know, there are people that they abuse their bodies. No, no, no. If you really get into it, listen, if you get into the psychoanalysis of why people abuse their own bodies, they're doing so out of a self-love. Pride is the root, but we don't have time to cover all that. So Paul's really right. No one ever hated their own body, but they feed and take care of their body, as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become, you know, what happens is he goes back and does the same thing again. All right, that being said, um, notice some key words here, submit. We talked about that a little bit.
0: Real quick illustration. You ever try and ride a tandem bike? Two-seater? You ever been in the one in the back? Terrible spot, isn't it, everyone? Yeah. You know what? Because here I am like this. Where are we going? What are we trying to do? As he's trying to keep us from tipping because I'm trying to see where we're going. Only one person can see where we're going on a tandem bike and the other one just follows behind. We ended up switching spots because he's like, you want to try and lead? I'm like, yeah. Because submitting to one another sometimes goes back and forth.
1: I didn't have any problem in the back. (laughs) She did.
0: Maybe, maybe. I don't know. (laughs)
1: So wives, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to respect. Uh, Wives are called to respect their husbands. Sarah did not act very respectful of Abraham. She didn't. She went to him demanding a child. By the way, did he have the power to give her a child? I imagine they tried a time or two, right? And it didn't happen. She she let her insecurities create a problem with her, with her husband, and I'm going to say for generations and generations to come. So respect, wives, you should respect your husbands. Love, husbands are to love their wives in their own bodies. And uh, Abraham acted like a sissy around her. He he just didn't, well, he, he didn't. He didn't participate.
0: He let something happen that didn't need to happen. And this week, if, okay, I'm gonna tell you love and respect. You guys sign up for it. If you have not, gone to love and respect. It's a great fresh look at how the woman thinks and how the man thinks and how you can actually work this life and have a happy life when you've been married for 50 plus years. It's a great, great weekend and I would highly recommend you go on the you gotta sign up soon though because it's this coming Friday and Saturday and I would highly recommend doing it. All
1: right. so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna come to landing this plane. We're gonna walk through quickly four suggestions for a healthy relationship uh suggestions for men and suggestions for women these are from From emerge emerge
0: Emerge ministries is in akron if you are having more trouble in your marriage or i'm going to highly recommend emerge it's close enough and um and anyway these suggestions come from them so first off suggestions for you men i'm going to help you out right here okay ladies want to feel and be secure You know what makes us feel secure, though? Transparent communication. I'm okay with anything anybody tells me. Just be honest, just be forthright, and let me know the truth. Also, when you're emotionally present with what I'm saying and not distracted, that helps me to not repeat myself over and over and
1: over again. Security, security Mm -hmm. in both physical needs. I mean, it's hard to have a great relationship with someone if you're homeless. Right? So security, having your needs met, but also emotional security, knowing that you can depend on our communication, that I'm not going to fly off the handle at any moment. So ladies want to be secure, but ladies also want to be something else. They want to be valued
0: because we have brains, we have opinions, and we want to be heard and listened to. It's kind of a paradoxical thing here though, because I want to be listened to, Um, but I also want you to help me make the decisions, okay? So I don't know whether you guys struggle with this. We have a little illustration to show how this goes. All
1: right, so ladies want their opinions valued. Yep, yep. Um, So the other day I said to my wife, I said, where would you like to go to eat? I'll take you out to eat, where would you like to go?
0: I don't care, wherever, it doesn't matter to me.
1: So I said, well, you know, it's Applebee's for a date night. And she says,
0: you know what? Not Applebee's. Let's not go there. I'm tired of Applebee's. Let's, what
1: else? So I said, Well, I like Arby's. We could get a big roast cheddar, you know. Mm.
0: I do like Arby's too, but I'm kind of not in the mood for that.
1: All right. Well then you know, we can go to Red Robin. No, there's too many potatoes. Don't want to There's eat always them. people there. Yeah. Then finally, I'm like she says, Well, what about McAllister's? And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, let's go to McAllister's. It's great. Now, why did I have to go through 50 questions? She knew where she wanted to go from the beginning. Do you know why? Because I always want him to
0: want to go where I want to go, right, ladies? So if he comes up with it, I'm like, yes, he wants to go to McAllister's
1: too. But if she says McAllister's, I have no problem submitting to what she wants. True? I have no problem submitting to what she wants, but she wants me to love her enough to read her mind. (laughs)
0: You know, to love the food that I want to love at the same time.
1: <laughs> because what you want in that moment is you want your opinions to be valued. You want us to have this discussion. You want me to value what you want and like what you want and all that kind of stuff. And ladies also, they, they want to be protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They,
0: we do. You know what? I want to know that my husband has my back, right? I want to know that we're on the same page and that there's somebody out there, when the rest of the world is against you, has my back.
1: So we're out taking a walk around the neighborhood and dogs come out. For whatever reason, she's deathly afraid of these dogs attacking. Now, I grew up in a neighborhood, I know how to handle them. I grab a rock, I turn, I square up, I throw the rock, I kick the dog, and oh the dog Lord, goes away.
0: Lord, <laughs> Before you all call PETA on us, okay? The first service missed this whole part of the story, okay? He grew up where there was like packs of dogs, okay? Nobody owned these dogs. They like just grouped together. I know how to deal with them. I had to my entire life. And they would go after you. I grew up in a suburb of Pittsburgh where dogs were on leashes and they, you know, were supposed to behave.
1: So we're walking down the road. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we have these dogs. We call them affectionately killer one and killer two, okay? (laughs) I call them that. And as soon as they start to bark, like, I do, like, okay? And he's like, you can't hold on to me. If the dogs come out at us, I have to be able to protect you. Don't grab my arm.
1: It's and really like, hard for me to fight off a dog when I'm trying to get her to get <laughs> off of me.
0: So, so now we've come to the conclusion I'm going to walk really fast, and he's going to stay behind and protect me from the dogs. So that's our conclusion. But, uh, but the, That protection. whole
1: point is, is that... Her native reaction, her natural reaction when there was a problem was to try to latch onto me. And my natural reaction was to turn and fix the problem, to deal with the problem. And, um, and I think God innately, in most males and most females, I'm, I realize there are a few that, that it's a little different, but in most males and most females, that's the natural reaction. Because ladies, even if you're one of those that you would fight the dog deep down inside of you, you know you want... Your husband there with you, fighting the dog with you. You want you, you, something in you.
0: And ladies also want intimacy. Now, we're not just talking sexual. We're talking emotional. We're talking the value. Um, and so, yes, ladies love intimacy.
1: All right. So some things you ladies need to know about us guys. Number one, we want to make you happy. We really do. We really want to make you happy. I really want to make you happy. I just have no clue how to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I No, guys, I, I think all guys will sort of identify with this. We want to make our ladies happy. We just don't know, we don't know what to do. And when we get the mixed signals, like the restaurant illustration, we, we get a little uh, and, and, and instead of making her happy, I get frustrated. And uh, guys, yeah. That's because you can't read my mind. So guys, here's the deal. Remember the walk illustration. You got to learn to listen. You got to learn to listen. And ladies, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to learn to communicate. I'm going to ask you to think about how, how respectful is your communication. Are you just rah, 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 rah? In Proverbs, a guy wrote, he said, better live on the corner of a roof than with a quarrelsome wife. Better live out by yourself somewhere than in a house with a woman that won't let go. And I don't think ladies ever intend to do that. They get spaghetti communication, you know, we went here and then, and this happened and that happened and this happened and this happened. The guy's saying, you went here, what happened? You know, and you're telling about, well, she was wearing this dress and, you know, and so-and-so came by from so and, 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 and you know, this happens. So be a little more intentional ladies for your communication. Guys, be a little more patient in you're listening. If you want to make them happy, we're not sure how, start listening, guys, for clues. Ladies, ladies give clues that you say, well, duh, you should get it, Mm -hmm. all right? Second of all, men enjoy romance. We really, really do. We like to romance. We like to make you feel special.
0: So a direct quote from Emerge um, says, um, men feel intimacy when there is less fighting and more sex. Amen. Now, hold on. Now that's gonna sound like, what? okay. But if you reverse it, men feel less intimate when there's more fighting and less sex. So there's nothing wrong with the way that the male species or the woman species work, okay? That's how we feel it. So if there's less fighting and more sex, men feel more romantic and intimate. And I'm gonna just give you a challenge, (laughs) honey. I'm gonna give you a challenge right now okay, okay. that um, you know what try to communicate in such a way that you're meet, meeting her intimacy needs and his intimacy needs because that will make your relationship a lot stronger and if you need help I'm gonna refer again go to see somebody emerge if you are fighting more and having less sex there is a great indicator that there's a problem
1: yep so uh, one, one thing we do know is that, guys, uh, that's a chemical thing in us. And I don't have time to get into it today, but it's a chemical thing for guys. So guys uh, desire—all uh, right, earlier we celebrated communion, right? Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me, celebrating the covenant, right? So you celebrate communion once. You don't need to do it again. Once a year is enough, right? Once a month, once every two—no, no, you have to eat on a regular basis, right? And every time you eat, it's a reminder that you have a covenant with Jesus Christ. So also in a marriage relationship, there should be a regular healthy amount of sex. If there's not, I think there's a problem because you're not remembering the vows that you make. All right, thirdly of all, men communicate differently. Men are bottom line. Women are play by play. It's the spaghetti communication. She starts here. She goes here, there, 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 there. And then you get to the end over here. Guys, we're like a box, you know. Yes, I have this conversation. This box is what we're talking about now. Oh, oh, you're talking about her. We have to go to this box. Oh, we have to go to this box. We have to go to this box. And guys, we get confused. Ladies, we get confused, right? Right? Last of all, men need affirmation. Now we debated this. We debated this, and uh, with this we're gonna land the plane, but uh, we debated whether or not to say this, and she's telling me I shouldn't say it because it's disrespectful.
0: It's disrespectful to men. I was worried about you guys, thinking this sounded disrespectful.
1: But every guy I've ever talked to doesn't push back against this. Guys, deep down inside, all of us are still 12-year-old boys trying to earn our manhood. And I looked around the room and I saw a lot of heads bob. Because we don't consider it disrespectful because here's why we're We're young. We're jovial. That's the reason we make junior high jokes That's the reason dad jokes are such a big deal is because deep down inside. We're still 12 year old guys trying to earn our respect as a man and and if that's What we hear when we hear? Is we hear our mom going And we want to do what we did when our mom did it. We want to get mad and close up and run away But the real key is ladies do not underestimate the power of your words to build because when she grabs a hold of my arm and she says you handled that really well the best line she ever said to me (laughs) yes i don't care the best line she ever said to me i handled a really really bad situation and she turned to me and she grabbed my arm and said you got big ones (laughs) i'm going to tell you something i would have killed I would have killed an alligator with my bare hands. <laughs> I would have climbed Mount Everest with one leap for her in that moment. Because you know what she was saying to me? You are a real man. You're a real man. And if you want real man behaviors out of a real man, treat him like a real man. Do you know how to make a 12-year-old act clean up their room? When they clean up their room, tell them, wow, that's how a man cleans his room. You know what'll happen? That 12-year-old boy will clean his room every time. Guys, it isn't, ladies, it is not disrespectful. We're still trying to earn our our manliness, and every time you feed that, do you know what you're doing? You're creating more of that manliness in us. Right? We're done. (laughs) After that last illustration. Wait,
0: we have uh, a challenge, though, okay? For those of you that are broken in this room, like Hagar, you're in a bad situation. All right? Maybe you're, it's not so bad, but you see it going south. Okay. Maybe you're, you've been married for X amount of time and it's just not the same and you're not you know, fulfilling and you're not being fulfilled. Here's our challenge to you. This week, pick one thing that you can show them values them. Just one. I'm not asking you to fix the whole thing in a day. Pick one item. And then next week, how about you try one more? Okay? Maybe it's the way you speak. Maybe it's what you do. I don't know what it is, but I guarantee you do. I guarantee you, you know what you need to do. One thing.
1: One thing. And one thing only. And if you're you're completely, if your situation's out of your control, you're like Hagar and the situation's out of your control, I just want to encourage you this. I want to encourage you that God sees you. He is the God who sees you. So if you're next to somebody that if you're next to your spouse, since it's a marriage thing, we'll just do this. Reach over and grab their hand. Come on, grab their hand. If you're next to somebody that you like a lot, you can, bat, you can hold hands this way, not this way. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Y'all ready? Uh, if you're single and maybe you're out of a situation that you just can't control, stick your hand out there and let God be the one who's with you right now. So father, we pray right now for each person That they would feel the love, the compassion, the strength of Jesus Christ right now. They would be encouraged in their heart and their spirit. Pray for marriages to be strong. We pray for the covenant respect of one man, one woman for life to work. And we pray that there would be life that would flow in the name of Jesus. And God, for those that are broken, those that are hurt, those that it's just not right, not working, would you reach down and give them your encouragement and your strength right now? Would you bless them too? Let them know you are the God who sees them, even in the craziness of it all. And we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen, amen. Now, we said we were gonna be shorter, and we weren't. We went longer, so hey, go get your kids before they tear up the church. I love you guys. Have a great week.